What's up, everybody? It's the Roundtable Sports Podcast. My name is Taylor McLean, and we're breaking the podcast up into individual games this week, trying to get to five or six games. And definitely one of the ones that I found interesting was the Cleveland Browns walk-off win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Because of the way that the rules are set up, we don't often get walk-away wins, and of course, unless they go to overtime and even then sometimes we don't get those walk-off touchdowns a lot of times it comes down to a field goal or something like along those lines so it was exciting to see this one in the way it did before we get to the football I want to talk about evergreen power solution the sponsor for the podcast they're gonna go in there shop around get you the lowest rate possible and then later on when it comes time to renew they'll go in renegotiate your rate lower for you and if they can't do that, they're not going to raise it at that point. They're going to keep it the same. So you're you're saving money now. You're saving money in the long term. Sounds like a deal to me. Give them a call at 214-444-9816. Let them know that the Roundtable Sports Podcast and Taylor McLean sent you. That part's important to me. Now let's get to the football. On the Cleveland Browns side, they certainly should feel fortunate that they were able to pull off this win. It felt like Tampa Bay had a lot of times that they could have put the Cleveland Browns away. Uh, They had seven three and outs. So that goes to show you what really kept Cleveland into this game. The defense had a strong game and did a good job of keeping Tom Brady uncomfortable throughout the game. And they did a good job of keeping the Buccaneers in front of them and not allowing them to have big plays. Seeing Mike Evans go two for 31 on nine targets really tells you what you need to know about that part of it. Certainly, the Buccaneers were able to work Chris Godwin underneath really well, and he looked really healthy out there. So that was big for the Tampa Bay offense. But outside of that, they had a really tough time getting consistent production from their wide receivers and tight ends. The tight ends were especially bad and seemed to be missing as a part of this game plan. That meant that a lot of things had to go outside and Tom and the offense wasn't especially sharp on connecting on those deeper throws. So it led to some stagnant offense at times for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Really both these teams got that opening score, got scores early on and weren't really able to muster a whole ton of offense after that, which really speaks to both sides of the ball, especially in the trenches for both teams. It's more edge-based for the Cleveland Browns, running mostly through Miles Garrett. On the Tampa Bay side, of course, it's Vita Vea, and then getting Akeem Hicks back really helped the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense swallow up Nick Chubb for most of the game. He was able to wear on the defense over time, though, and you could see that by the end, they were kind of sick of trying to tackle Nick Chubb, and I can't blame them by any means. He's a tough guy to bring down, especially for four quarters, and to the Browns' credit, they really leaned into Nick Chubb, giving him the bulk of the carries and snaps, even though Kareem Hunt was able to work himself in there a little bit. It was Nick Chubb's day. And honestly, it's good to see the Browns be self-aware that they needed to pound Nick Chubb and really ram him 
up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as many times as necessary if they were ever going to get where they were going to go with this game. But they wouldn't have had that chance had the Cleveland defense not held its own, especially in the second half, where it felt like for the longest time that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had the ability to step on the neck of the Cleveland Browns and in this game at any given time, and they just couldn't get the job done. They couldn't turn over the engine and get it started. And that led to a ton of punts that gave Cleveland a whole bunch of chances to get the job done. And then eventually they get down there and get the score. Of course, the short punt and punt return really helped, but it was Nick Chubb that got them down there into scoring position. And then Jacoby Brissett makes that big play. Jacoby played well down the stretch, making the touchdown play and then making the big play to Amari Cooper late in overtime to get them down there for the Nick Chubb. One of the reasons that I was interested in this game overall for the Cleveland Browns was this marks the last time for this stretch of games that we're going to see Jacoby Brissett as the starter. Certainly Deshaun Watson, something could happen to him and we'll see Jacoby Brissett again, but you don't trade three first round picks for a guy and then sit him. You definitely need to see what you've got in him, regardless of what Jacoby Brissett has shown you to this point. And of course, them being four and seven, I don't think that there's any Cleveland Browns fans necessary that that are clamoring for Jacoby Brissett to remain the starter. But I have to say, before we go to Deshaun Watson and start talking about all that today and in future podcasts, that Jacoby Brissett should be given some due on how he played in this stretch for the Cleveland Browns. Four and seven is one thing, and I really do like a lot of the personnel that the Cleveland Browns have had on offense throughout this stretch, but still, I think Jacoby played well above my expectations for what I expected him to do in this stretch. Maybe there could have been more wins than the four and seven, but honestly, there could have been more wins than the four and seven, and it wasn't necessarily his fault that those wins didn't happen. There was a plethora of reasons, but it felt like Jacoby put them in pretty good position at times during his stretch to win games. And I think that he kind of cemented himself as either A, a really good backup, or B, a low-end starter in this league. A guy that can maybe not drive the bus, but that can be a solid passenger and be a solid contributor to a good team. Like the team's not going to raise its level because Jacoby Brissett's the quarterback. But then again, he makes good decisions. He has a good enough arm and he's good enough running the ball that he's not a negative in either one of those categories. He doesn't play outside of himself. He's not making really bad decisions. The the pick that he had today was a Hail Mary. So he, he really didn't have any bad, bad throws that I can think of at this point. So while he's not throwing guys open and playing this upper level Jedi of elite quarterback, he's also not melting you down and putting you in bad positions. A lot of the time, you know, maybe those positions are for you, you have to punt, but he's also not melting down and throwing bad interceptions typically, or fumbling a lot or whatever he's playing within the offense and delivering balls on time when the play is there. That might not be mean that he's, you know, making plays outside of the offense a ton, 
But then again, that's not what you're looking for a lot of the time out of your quarterback. You're looking for them to execute what you want them to execute. And Jacoby can absolutely do that. So there could be some teams in this next quarterback cycle that decide that, you know what, Brissett can be the placeholder until we find our quarterback of the future or we find a guy that offers higher upside, which is what the Browns are about to do when they stick Deshaun Watson in there. And I thought today was a perfect microcosm of what I think about Jacoby Brissett with these different things, making those plays when he had to, getting them down there to win that game. I thought it was an appropriate end to this stretch. And I really, really like that I'm going to get to evaluate Deshaun Watson versus what Jacoby Brissett looked like for these 11 weeks. We have a really good feel for at this time what the Browns are capable of, what they look like on offense, what play, what their playmakers can do at this time. So now we can really get an objective look at Deshaun Watson when we were able to make that comparison. Is he adding more to the offense? Is he making more plays? Is he addition or a subtraction on third down? Is he adding additional rushing yards from the quarterback? There's all these little things that are going to change. Who who gets the targets? How much are they running? What's the mix of all the, the run versus the pass? Now with Brissett in there and, and with this these games on tape, we have this control group to measure Deshaun against and what measure the Cleveland Browns against. So we'll see if he's a, a level raiser or not immediately. And we won't have to guess on what the team is doing around him. We know what the team can do with another quarterback in there pretty steadily. Uh, now we'll get to see if Deshaun is that next level of guy or if he's rusty. I expect there to be some rust. Looked like some rust in the preseason, for sure, when he got to play then. But Houston Texans, revenge game, so to speak, even though he's the one that asked out of Houston. All kinds of little interesting things there, and then we get to actually see him on the field and see ultimately what the Browns possibly could be. Because while I don't think it's a perfect team and I'd like to see them have a little bit more playmaking on defense, I think that just throwing what I saw from Deshaun Watson – in his Houston years, and even the last year in Houston when they were bad, I'm telling you that if he can play at that level, they can be an elite team. And I think that the playoffs at four and seven are kind of a reach, but it's not out of the question either. There's still a lot of football to play. The problem is there's also a lot of teams between them and the playoffs. And outside of the Texans, the schedule isn't super great. Uh, It's not the worst thing I've ever seen by any means, but at the same time to have to reel off, basically I would think most of these, if not all of these games as wins is going to be tough Texans. That's one thing. Bengals Ravens saints is another, that's a tough stretch where you probably need to win all of those games. Saints commanders Steelers. It's not a bad end of the season necessarily, but those are tough teams especially the Saints and the Commanders uh, and even the Steelers if they're going to have T.J. Watt when it comes to the run. But uh, it's not out of the question. It's not out of the question. They're not so far out of it that they can't make it and squeeze in there. But it's going to be on Deshaun Watson to play upper-level quarterback for them to win most of those games, uh, if not all of them. I guess you know they could squeeze in there uh, at 9-8 and eight possibly, but you know there's going to need to be a lot of things go their way for that to happen. So impressive win. 
hard fought win. Nick Chubb is incredible. Now we get to see what happens when you drop that quarterback in there. And you got to hope if you're the Browns that you're not walking into a Russell Wilson situation. The difference is with that comparison is that Deshaun Watson is a lot younger, taller, faster, stronger, and won't be past his prime as long as he's held on to it. But it's been a long time since we've seen him play football, too. So I expect there to be some rust. Um, Luckily, he gets to knock it off in a week of practice this week. And then against the Texans, we'll be highly motivated to get that game. They've got a, you know, a little game, couple of game lead on the tank to get CJ Stroud or or Bryce Young, depending on how you feel. So I want to see them next week when it comes when it comes down and they play the Texans. On the other side, with Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you're certainly upset that you lost this game. As I said in the Cleveland Browns portion of the of the show here, that I thought that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had a lot of chances to win this game and to separate themselves from the Cleveland Browns. I mean, literally, they had four possessions to get something going and to get, you know, any semblance of offense, get one field goal and ultimately could not get the job done. Couldn't flip the field position in the end. Couldn't touch the ball two times in overtime and ultimately couldn't get it done. And it's really surprising, honestly, that they couldn't get one of those drives going at some point with the personnel that they have on offense and defense at this point. And it's not like it's something that hasn't been a problem this whole year, but I've expected more out of the Bucks offense overall. And I think it stems from a lack of running game that they've had in the past that we've talked a lot about the middle of the Buccaneers offense and them not producing, whether it come be the pass blocking or the run blocking. And that had seemed to settle down a bit in the last couple of weeks, but the lack of running game really hurt today, especially when Brady and the passing offense were having a tough time working the ball deep and getting those chunk plays that they're used to. I was excited to see Rashad White get a bigger workload, especially after what he was able to do last week. He seemed to be worn down a little bit. And granted, part of that was that he was getting hit in the backfield a bit and wasn't getting as big a run lanes as we're used to from Tampa Bay. But it seemed like when Nick Chubb was getting stronger throughout the game, felt like Rashad White wore down a little bit, which is not surprising for a rookie who's had a lot dropped on his plate in the last couple of weeks. And there was still bursts of what you like from Rashad. He still has great straightaway speed. He he runs he runs strong for a guy that possesses that type of speed, and he is very shifty, but it just felt like everything was a little bit harder to come by today, and he didn't have quite the runway that he had to get going in previous weeks. And then when it came down to it and the Bucs needed to get something going, they just simply couldn't. I put more of that on the line than I do Rashad White, but I also didn't feel like Rashad White was really digging and getting the hard yards that a number one back would get in those scenarios. So it was a little bit disappointing to me overall. 
And I know the Bucs want to get more out of their running game and be more balanced to allow, you know, greater time for Tom Brady to pick the defense apart when he, they do drop back and pass. But today it was more on him. And he, when he have to throw the ball 43 times, that's not a good mix. And that's not what the Buccaneers are looking to accomplish. And it's a credit to the Cleveland Browns that they were able to throw them out of that. It's been a tougher year for Tampa Bay overall, and it hasn't just been the middle part of the line either. That that part has been tough, and it has kind of led to the deficiencies that we've talked about already, and that's especially apparent when you have a quarterback like Tom Brady that has a harder time than ever before getting away from the pass rush, and when Donovan Smith is struggling on one side, that's an even bigger problem because with the way that everything is set up right now, you need to be able to rely on the edges. And that may be exacerbated by losing Tristan Wirfs to a pretty gruesome ankle injury later on in the game. It wasn't until OT, so they were only without him for six snaps. But still, I think this is going to be a huge problem when you have a, a bookend like Tristan Wirfs where you don't have to worry about one side there's a lot of things you can do to give the rest of the line help and dig yourself out of problems you might have with those different protections but without him in there that slides everybody down they have to bring in josh wells their swing tackle and that's going to mean that he may need help and that's going to mean less help for the rest of the line when it comes to their pass blocking and that could lead to a troublesome mix of Tom Brady getting sacked not only from the middle, but also from the sides. Plus that's going to dilute the rushing game. That was already something that they were struggling with. They've come out and said that Werfs is probably going to be out for three to four weeks on the optimistic side too. So that's something to look out for. How long do they come out and say that his timeframe is, will he be healthy for the playoffs and even still will the Buccaneers even make the playoffs because with their record they're most definitely going to have to win their division the good news is that the division is such where they're still leading the division and even the Carolina Panthers and New Orleans Saints are four and eight so they're not entirely out of it either that gives the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a lot of teams to go after that division title and it's likely that a even record is probably not going to get you the seventh seed either so while it's great to be in that division and still be in the lead at five and six it's not an automatic that they make it it seems like they've kind of been holding back a little bit or or that they might have more to give as a team and getting Akeem Hicks back in this game getting Leonard Fournette back in the future hopefully getting Werfs back in time for the playoffs could make them dangerous overall. And the point differential says that they should probably end up winning this division. The eye test says it too, but ultimately it's not uh, in the books and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to have to play hard down the stretch. They haven't always had to do that when it comes to a Tom Brady led Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. So this should be interesting, especially without Werfs because they wouldn't even show that replay. So you know it was bad, and the the time frame of three to four weeks with something like that seems optimistic. So we'll see if we see him again. 
We'll see if they're able to hook up with Mike Evans more. He's been highly disappointing, even though I know that he, he is still Mike Evans. It doesn't feel like they're working as much of the underneath stuff for, for him and letting him run after the catch. I'd love to see him get more possessions with the ball, even though you know you want to get in the ball deep too. It feels like everybody's just running deep with him. It doesn't feel like anybody's having to respect them underneath unless it's Chris Godwin. And then if you don't have the time to work those underneath routes, you also need to work off the the amount of cushion that you have to give Mike Evans. There's going to be a lot of space for him to work the ball, get the ball out of Tom Brady's hands. Wouldn't surprise me a bit to see them go a little shorter if they do keep having problems like they had today with the pass rush and the like. So a lot to figure out for both these teams, and it feels like they're both in the mix. I'll be watching them both closely. That's what I've got for this game. If you've gotten to this point and haven't done so, download the podcast. Let me know that you're here and listening. Likes are important for the YouTube video of this as well as subscriptions, so definitely mash those buttons. Look for more games. This is my second game for the week. I'm looking to get to six is my hopeful goal. We'll see how that works out. But uh, anyway, regardless, appreciate your time. Have a great rest of your day.